I don't know who needs to hear this, but we have just quietly released the first episode of our long-awaited audiobook adaption of Jane Austen's Persuasion. We've submitted it to all the usual streaming platforms, so go and search for it where you listen to podcasts to see it, to see it, to find it, to listen to it. I think that's the point. Podcasts, you don't use your eyes, you use your ears. Anyway, it's going to be available there soon, so you should go and find it um, and see if it's available yet. For more info about the podcast, visit our website, which is www.bnt.org.au. Chapter 53. Wickham was so perfectly satisfied with this conversation that he never again distressed himself or provoked his dear sister Elizabeth by introducing the subject of it, and she was pleased to find that she had said enough to keep him quiet. The day of his and Lydia's departure soon came, and Mrs. Bennet was forced to submit to a separation, which, as her husband by no means entered into her scheme of their all going to Newcastle, was likely to continue at least a twelvemonth. Mrs. Bennet was quite affected. Oh, my dear Lydia, when shall we meet again? Oh, Lord, I don't know. Not for two or three years, perhaps. <laughs> Write to me very often, my dear. Oh, as often as I can. But you know, married women have never much time for writing. My sisters may write to me. They will have nothing else to do. <laughs> Mr Wickham's adieus were much more affectionate than his wife's. He smiled, looked handsome, and said many pretty things. He is as fine a fellow as ever I saw. He simpers and smirks and makes love to us all. I am prodigiously proud of him. I, I defy even Sir William Lucas himself to produce a more valuable son-in-law. I often think that there is nothing so bad as parting with one's friends. One seems so forlorn without them. This is the consequence, you see, madam, of marrying a daughter. It must make you better satisfied that your other four are single. It is no such thing. Lydia does not leave me because she is married, but only because her husband's regiment happens to be so far off. If that had been neither, she would not have gone so soon. The loss of her daughter made Mrs. Bennet very dull for several days, but the spiritless condition which this event threw her into was shortly relieved, and her mind opened again to the agitation of hope by an article of news which then began to be in circulation. The housekeeper at Netherfield had received orders to prepare for the arrival of her master, who is coming down in a day or two to shoot there for several weeks. Mrs. Bennet was quite in the fidgets. She glanced at Jane and smiled and shook her head by turns, turning to Mrs. Phillips, who had brought the news. Well, well, and so Mr. Bingley is coming down, sister. Well, so much the better. Not that I care about it, though. He is nothing to us, you know, and I am sure I never want to see him again. But, however, he is very welcome to come to Netherfield, if he likes it. And who knows what may happen. But that is nothing to us. You know, sister, we agreed long ago never to mention a word about it. And so, is it quite certain... 
He's coming? You may depend on it. The Mrs. Nichols was in Meryton last night. I saw her passing by and went out myself on purpose to know the truth of it. And she told me that it was certain true. He comes down on Thursday at the latest, very likely on Wednesday. She was going to the butcher's, she told me, on purpose to order in some meat on Wednesday. And she has got three couple of ducks just fit to be killed, replied Mrs. Phillips. Miss Bennet had not been able to hear of his coming without changing colour. It was many months since she had mentioned his name to Elizabeth, but now, as soon as they were alone together, Jane said, I saw you look at me today, Lizzie, when my aunt told us of the present report, and I know I appeared distressed, but don't imagine it was from any silly cause. I was only confused for the moment because I felt that I should be looked at. I do assure you that the news does not affect me with either pleasure or pain. I am glad of one thing, that he comes alone, because we shall see less of him. Not that I am afraid of myself, but I dread other people's remarks. Elizabeth did not know what to make of it. If she had not seen him in Derbyshire, she might have supposed him capable of coming there with no other view than what was acknowledged. But she still thought him partial to Jane, and she wavered as to the greater probability of his coming there with his friend's permission, or being bold enough to come without it. Yet it is hard that this poor man cannot come to a house which he has legally hired without raising... All this speculation, I will leave him to himself. In spite of what her sister declared and really believed to be her feelings and the expectation of his arrival, Elizabeth could easily perceive that her spirits were affected by it. They were more disturbed, more unequal than she had ever seen them. The subject, which had been so warmly canvassed between their parents about a twelvemonth ago, was now brought forward again. As soon as ever Mr. Bingley comes, my dear, you will wait on him, of course. No, no, you forced me into visiting him last year, and promised if I went to see him he should marry one of my daughters. But it ended in nothing, and I will not be sent on a fool's errand again. His wife represented to him how absolutely necessary such an attention would be from all the neighbouring gentlemen on his return to Netherfield. "'Tis an etiquette I despise. If he wants our society, let him seek it. He knows where we live. I will not spend my hours in running after my neighbours every time they go away and come back again. "'Well, all I know is that it will be abominably rude if you do not wait on him.' But, however, that shan't prevent my asking him to dine here. I am determined. We must have Mrs. Long and the Goldings soon. That will make thirteen with ourselves, so there will be just room at table for him. Consoled by this resolution, she was the better able to bear her husband's incivility though it was very mortifying to know that her neighbours might all see Mr. Bingley in consequence of it before they did. As the day of his arrival drew nearer, Jane spoke to her sister. I begin to be sorry that he comes at all. It would be nothing. I could see him with perfect indifference, but I can hardly bear to hear it thus perpetually talked of. My mother means well. But she does not know, no one can know how much I suffer from what she says. Happy shall I be when his stay at Netherfield is over. 
I wish I could say anything to comfort you, but it is wholly out of my power. You must feel it. And the usual satisfaction of preaching patience to a sufferer is denied me, because you always have so much. Mr Bingley arrived. Mrs Bennet, through the assistance of servants, contrived to have the earliest tidings of it, that the period of anxiety and fretfulness on her side might be as long as it could. She counted the days that must intervene before their invitation could be sent, hopeless of seeing him before. But on the third morning, after his arrival in Hertfordshire, she saw him, from her dressing-room window, enter the paddock and ride towards the house. Her daughters were eagerly called to partake of her joy. Jane resolutely kept her place at the table, but Elizabeth, to satisfy her mother, went to the window. She looked. She saw Mr. Darcy with him, and sat down again by her sister. Kitty, too, noticed Mr. Bingley's companion. There is a gentleman with him. Mamma, who can it be? Some acquaintance or other, my dear, I suppose. I am sure I do not know. Ah, it looks just like that man that used to be with him before. Mr. What's his name? That tall, proud man. Good gracious! Mr. Darcy! And, and so it does, I vow. Well, any friend of Mr. Bingley's will always be welcome here, to be sure, but else I must say that I hate the very sight of him. Jane looked at Elizabeth with surprise and concern. She knew but little of their meeting in Derbyshire, and therefore felt for the awkwardness which must attend her sister in seeing him almost for the first time after receiving his explanatory letter. Both sisters were uncomfortable enough. Each felt for the other, and of course for themselves, and their mother talked on, of her dislike of Mr. Darcy and her resolution to be civil to him only as Mr. Bingley's friend, without being heard by either of them. Elizabeth had sources of uneasiness which could not be suspected by Jane, to whom she had never yet had the courage to show Mrs. Gardiner's letter, or to relate her own change of sentiment towards him. To Jane, he could be only a man whose proposals she had refused, and whose merit she had undervalued, but to her own more extensive information, he was the person to whom the whole family were indebted for the first of benefits, and whom she regarded herself with an interest, if not quite so tender, at least as reasonable and just as what Jane felt for Bingley. Her astonishment at his coming at his coming to Netherfield, to Longbourn, and voluntarily seeking her again, was almost equal to what she had known on first witnessing his altered behaviour in Derbyshire. The colour, which had been driven from her face, returned for half a minute with an additional glow, and a smile of delight added lustre to her eyes, as she thought for that space of time that his affection and wishes must still be unshaken, but she would not be secure." Let me first see how he behaves. It will, then, be early enough for expectation, Elizabeth thought privately. She sat intently at work, striving to be composed, and without daring to lift up her eyes, till anxious curiosity carried them to the face of her sister as the servant was approaching the door. Jane looked a little paler than usual, but more sedate than Elizabeth had expected. On the gentleman's appearing, her colour increased, yet she received them with tolerable ease, 
and with the propriety of behaviour equally free from any symptom of resentment or any unnecessary complacence. Elizabeth said as little to either as civility would allow, and sat down again to her work with an eagerness which it did not often command. She had ventured only one glance at Darcy. He looked serious, as usual, and she thought, more as he had been used to look in Hertfordshire than she had seen him at Pemberley. But perhaps he could not, in her mother's presence, be what he was before her uncle and aunt. It was painful, but not an improbable conjecture. Bingley she had likewise seen for an instant, and in that short period saw him look both pleased and embarrassed. He was received by Mrs. Bennet with a degree of civility which made her two daughters ashamed, especially when contrast with the cold and ceremonious politeness of her curtsy and address to his friend. Mr. Bingley began. Mrs. Bennet, how very good to see you. Mr. Bingley, what a welcome surprise. Indeed, I had not the slightest notion of your returning to the country. How delightful it is to see you again. And are you returned alone? Well, no. I am accompanied by my friend, Mr. Darcy, as you see. As I see. Good afternoon, Mrs. Bennet. Mrs. Bennet was, for a moment, at a loss as to how she might respond, having had no intention of speaking to him. She then gave a cursory curtsy, before turning once again to Mr. Bingley. And, Mr. Bingley, are your sisters well? Elizabeth particularly, who knew that her mother owed to the latter the preservation of her favourite daughter from irremediable infamy, was hurt and distressed to a most painful degree by a distinction so ill-applied. Darcy, after inquiring of her how Mr. and Mrs. Gardiner did, a question which she could not answer without confusion, said scarcely anything. He was not seated by her, perhaps that was the reason of his silence, but it had not been so in Derbyshire. There he had talked to her friends when he could not talk to herself, but now several minutes elapsed without bringing the sound of his voice, and when occasionally, unable to resist the impulse of curiosity, she raised her eyes to his face, she as often found him looking at Jane as at herself, and frequently on no object but the ground. More thoughtfulness and less anxiety to please than when they last met were plainly expressed. She was disappointed and angry with herself for being so. Could I expect it to be otherwise? Yet, why did he come? She thought to herself privately. She was in no humour for conversation with anyone but himself, and to him she had hardly courage to speak. She inquired after his sister, but could do no more. Mrs. Bennet persevered with Mr. Bingley. It is a long time, Mr. Bingley, since you went away. He readily agreed to it. Indeed, Mrs. Bennet. Far too long for my liking. I began to be afraid you would never come back again. People did say... You meant to quit the place entirely at Michaelmas. But, however, I hope it is not true. Indeed not, Mrs. Bennet. A great many changes have happened in the neighbourhood since you went away. Miss Lucas is married and settled, and one of my own daughters. I suppose you have heard of it, indeed. 
You must have seen it in the papers. It was in the Times and the Courier, I know. Though it was not put in as it ought to be. It was only said, lately George Wickham Esquire to Miss Lydia Bennet, without there being a syllable said of her father or the place where she lived or anything. It was my brother Gardner's drawing up too, and I, I wonder how he came to make such an awkward business of it. Did you see it? I did, Mrs. Bennet. Please accept my most hearty congratulations at such very pleasant news. As Bingley made his congratulations, Elizabeth dared not lift up her eyes. How Mr. Darcy looked, therefore, she could not tell. It is a delightful thing, to be sure, to have a daughter well married. But at the same time, Mr. Bingley, it is very hard to have her taken such a way from me. They are gone down to Newcastle, a place quite northward, it seems, and there they are to stay. I do not know how long his regiment is there. For I suppose you have heard of his leaving the militia and of his being gone into the regulars. <laughs> Thank heaven he has some friends, though perhaps not so many as he deserves. Elizabeth who knew this to be levelled at Mr. Darcy, was in such misery of shame that she could hardly keep her seat. It drew from her, however, the exertion of speaking, which nothing else had so effectually done before, and she asked Bingley whether he meant to make any stay in the country at present. A few weeks, I believe, is our present intention, ma'am. But then our plans are not yet fixed. When you have killed all your own birds, Mr. Bingley, I beg... You will come here and shoot as many as you please on Mr. Bennet's manor. <laughs> I am sure he will be vastly happy to oblige you and will save all the best of the Coveys for you. <laughs> How very kind, Mrs. Bennet. Elizabeth's misery increased at such unnecessary, such officious attention. Were the same fair prospect to arise at present as had flattered them a year ago, everything, she was persuaded, would be hastening to the same vexatious conclusion. At that instant, she felt that years of happiness could not make Jane or herself amends for moments of such painful confusion. The first wish of my heart is never more to be in company with either of them. Their society can afford no pleasure that will atone for such wretchedness as this. Let me never see either one or the other again, she thought to herself. Yet the misery, for which years of happiness were to offer no compensation, received soon afterwards material relief from observing how much the beauty of her sister rekindled the admiration of her former lover. When first he came in, he had spoken to her but little, but every five minutes seemed to be giving her more of his attention. He found her as handsome as she had been last year, as good-natured and as unaffected, though not quite so chatty. Jane was anxious that no difference should be perceived in her at all, and was really persuaded that she talked as much as ever, but her mind was so busily engaged that she did not always know when she was silent. When the gentleman rose to go away, Mrs. Bennet was mindful of her intended civility, 
and they were invited and engaged to dine at Longbourn in a few days' time. You are quite a visit in my debt, Mr Bingley, for when you went to town last winter, you promised to take a family dinner with us as soon as you returned. I have not forgot, you see. And I assure you, I was very much disappointed that you did not come back and keep your engagement. Bingley looked a little silly at this reflection and said, Ah, yes, it was such a pity. I do regret my being prevented from doing so. It was most disappointing to have been called away by business. They then went away. Mrs. Bennet had been strongly inclined to ask them to stay and dine there that day. But, though she always kept a very good table, she did not think anything less than two courses could be good enough for a man on whom she had such anxious designs, or satisfy the appetite and pride of one who had ten thousand a year. Chapter 54 As soon as they were gone, Elizabeth walked out to recover her spirits, or, in other words, to dwell without interruption on those subjects that must deaden them more. Mr. Darcy's behaviour astonished and vexed her. Why, if he came only to be silent, grave and indifferent, did he come at all? She thought to herself. She could settle it in no way that gave her pleasure. He could be still amiable, still pleasing, to my uncle and aunt when he was in town, and why not to me? If he fears me, why come hither? If he no longer cares for me, why... Silent, teasing, teasing man, I will think no more about him. Her resolution was for a short time involuntarily kept by the approach of her sister, who joined her with a cheerful look which showed her better satisfied with their visitors than Elizabeth. Now that the first meeting is over, I feel perfectly easy. I know my own strength and I shall never be embarrassed by his coming again. I am glad... He dines here on Tuesday. It will then be publicly seen that on both sides we meet only as common and indifferent acquaintances. (laughs) Yes, very indifferent indeed. (laughs) Oh, Jane, take care. My dear Lizzie, you cannot think me so weak as to be in danger now. (laughs) I think you are in very great danger of making him as much in love with you as ever. They did not see the gentleman again till Tuesday, and Mrs. Bennet, in the meanwhile, was giving way to all the happy schemes which the good humour and common politeness of Bingley, in half an hour's visit, had revived. On Tuesday, there was a large party assembled at Longbourn, and the two who were most anxiously expected, to the credit of their punctuality as sportsmen, were in very good time. When they repaired to the dining-room, Elizabeth eagerly watched to see whether Bingley would take the place, which, in all their former parties, had belonged to him, by her sister. Her prudent mother, occupied by the same ideas, forbore to invite him to sit by herself. On entering the room, he seemed to hesitate, but Jane happened to look round and happened to smile. It was decided. He placed himself by her. Elizabeth, with a triumphant sensation, looked towards his friend. He bore it with noble indifference, and she would have imagined that Bingley had received his sanction to be happy had she not seen his eyes likewise turned towards Mr. Darcy with an expression of half-laughing alarm. 
His behaviour to her sister was such, during dinner time, as showed an admiration of her, which, though more guarded than formerly, persuaded Elizabeth that if left wholly to himself, Jane's happiness and his own would be speedily secured. Though she dared not depend upon the consequence, she yet received pleasure from observing his behaviour. It gave her all the animation that her spirits could boast, for she was in no cheerful humour. Mr. Darcy was almost as far from her as the table could divide them. He was on one side of her mother. She knew how little such a situation would give pleasure to either, or make either appear to advantage. She was not near enough to hear any of their discourse, but she could see how seldom they spoke to each other, and how formal and cold was their manner whenever they did. Her mother's ungraciousness made the sense of what they owed him more painful to Elizabeth's mind, and she would, at times, have given anything to be privileged to tell him that his kindness was neither unknown nor unfelt by the whole of the family. She was in hopes that the evening would afford some opportunity of bringing them together, that the whole of the visit would not pass away without enabling them to enter into something more of conversation than the mere ceremonious salutation attending his entrance. Anxious and uneasy, the period which passed in the drawing-room before the gentleman came was wearisome and dull to a degree that made her almost uncivil. She looked forward to their entrance as the point on which all her chance of pleasure for the evening must depend. If he does not come to me... Then I shall give him up for ever, she thought to herself. The gentleman came, and she thought he looked as if he would have answered her hopes. But, alas, the ladies had crowded round the table where Miss Bennet was making tea, and Elizabeth pouring out the coffee, in so close a confederacy that there was not a single vacancy near her which would admit of a chair. And on the gentleman's approaching, one of the girls moved closer to her than ever, and said in a whisper, The men shan't come and part us. I am determined. We want none of them, do we? Mr. Darcy had walked away to another part of the room. She followed him with her eyes, envious of everyone to whom he spoke, had scarcely patience enough to help anybody to coffee, and was then enraged against herself for being so silly. A man who has been once refused. How could I ever be foolish enough to expect a renewal of his love? Is there one among the sex who would not protest against such a weakness as a second proposal to the same woman? Oh, there is no indignity so abhorrent to their feelings. She was a little revived, however, by his bringing back his coffee cup himself and she seized the opportunity of saying, Is your sister at Pemberley still? Yes. She will remain there till Christmas. And quite alone? Have all her friends left her? Mrs. Annesley is with her. The others have gone on to Scarborough these three weeks. She could think of nothing more to say, but if he wished to converse with her, he might have better success. He stood by her, however, for some minutes in silence, and at last... On the young lady's whispering to Elizabeth again, he walked away. When the tea things were removed and the card tables were placed, the ladies all rose, and Elizabeth was then hoping to be soon joined by him, when all her views were overthrown by seeing him fall victim to her mother's rapidity for whist players, and in a few moments after seated with the rest of the party. She now lost every expectation of pleasure. 
they were confined for the evening at different tables, and she had nothing to hope but that his eyes were so often turned towards her side of the room as to make him play as unsuccessfully as herself. Mrs. Bennet had designed to keep the two Netherfield gentlemen to supper, but their carriage was unluckily ordered before any of the others, and she had no opportunity of detaining them. As soon as they were left to themselves, Mrs. Bennet said, Well, girls, what say you to the day? I think everything has passed off uncommonly well, I assure you. The dinner was as well-dressed as any ever I saw. The venison was roasted to a turn, and everybody said they never saw so fat a haunch. The soup, the soup was fifty times better than what we had at the Lucas's last week, and even Mr. Darcy acknowledged that the partridges were remarkably well done, and I suppose he has two or three French cooks at least. Oh, and my dear Jane, I never saw you look in greater beauty. Mrs. Long said so too, for I asked her whether you did not. And what do you think she said besides? Ah, Mrs. Bennet, we shall have her at Netherfield at last. <laughs> Oh, she did indeed. Oh, I do think Mrs. Long is as good a creature as ever lived. And her nieces are very pretty behaved girls and not at all handsome. I like them prodigiously. Mrs. Bennet, in short, was in very great spirits. She had seen enough of Bingley's behaviour to Jane to be convinced that she would get him at last and her expectations of advantage to her family, when in a happy humour, were so far beyond reason that she was quite disappointed at not seeing him there again the next day to make his proposals. It has been a very agreeable day. The party seemed so well selected, so suitable one with the other. I hope we may often meet again. Elizabeth smiled. Lizzie, you must not do so. You must not suspect me. It mortifies me. I assure you that I have now learnt to enjoy his conversation as an agreeable and sensible young man without having a wish beyond it. I am perfectly satisfied from what his manners are now that he never had any design of engaging my affection. It is only that he is blessed with... Greater sweetness of address and a stronger desire of generally pleasing than any other man. You are very cruel. You will not let me smile and are provoking me to it every moment. How hard it is in some cases to be believed. <laughs> and how impossible in others. Why should you wish to persuade me that I feel more than I acknowledge? That is a question which I hardly know how to answer. Stop it! We all love to instruct, though we can teach only what is not worth knowing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, forgive me, Jane. And, if you persist in indifference, do not make me your confidant. <laughs> <laughs> Thank 
you for joining us for another episode of Ballarat National Theatre's adaption of Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. This production is directed by Liana Skews, narrated by Olivia French and prepared for production by Elizabeth Bradford, Olivia French, Liana Skews and Marley Vanderbale. This episode features the voices of Olivia French as Elizabeth Bennett, Daisy Kate Kennington as Lydia Wickham, Amelia Pawsey as Kitty Bennett, Liana Skews as Jane Bennett, Liz Hardiman as Mrs. Bennett, Chris Hiscock as Mr. Bennett, Emma Wood as Mrs. Phillips, Tess Parker as the female party guest, Ryan O'Connor as Mr. Darcy, and Paul Roberts as Mr. Bingley. This podcast was produced by Ballarat National Theatre. Flower, 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 flower. This is the little song, the little song I sing. When I get a little bit tongue-tied, flower, 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 flower. This podcast, blitter, blitter, blitter. This podcast, this podcast. <clears throat> this podcast was produced by Ballarat National Theatre on the lands of our traditional custodians, the Wathaurong people. Cast recordings were made in the lands of the Wathaurong, Jajawarung, and Wurundjeri people. Ballarat National Theatre acknowledges and pays respects to our traditional custodians and to their past, present and emerging leaders. <laughs>